0: Jesus calls a community of disciples, and His disciples did not relate only to Jesus. They related one to another. The followers of Jesus were not simply a list of disconnected individuals. They are always and forever a community of faith in Christ. And that community knows no boundaries. It extends from Africa to Haiti, to Mexico, to Syria, to the United States, to every corner of God's good creation. I found it all in one. I found it all. I found it all in one. Father, Spirit, Son. It's a little bit inconceivable to me that we have before us uh, fantastic, one of the greatest stories ever told of Jonah, and I'm not preaching on it, uh, but I've got other direction I want to go, although that that story is deep and layered and compelling. We live in an age of immediacy. I think we would agree. we like things to happen now. Uh, maybe you remember that little hourglass that used to appear on the earlier PCs, right, that, as pages would load, and you'd watch that that thing or the I guess it still exists, though we try not to ever see it. And if you're an Apple person, there's that little wheel of death that starts spinning when we just can't live with those moments any longer. We demand things to happen immediately. Every smartphone upgrade mocks the fact that you bought the last one with the speed improvements and the processing speed and power. Today... Uh, we continue to consider the calling of several of the disciples, and the way the whole thing goes down feels, you know, familiar to us. Two sets of brothers are called by Jesus to follow, Peter and Andrew, and then James and John. And the invitation that Jesus extends to follow him to, seems to come kind of completely out of the blue. He's walking along the lake shore. He sees two fishermen, uh, you know, fixing their nets and... Uh, And Jesus says, follow me, and off they go. It's a little baffling. A minute later, he comes across two more fishermen working on their boat with their father. And Jesus invites these two brothers to follow, and off they go. It's also abrupt, to say the least. It's not even clear to us, the readers, whether or not these guys even know who Jesus is. Have they heard of him? Uh, it's it's hard to uh, get your mind around. Why does this happen? And just as curious as Jesus' abrupt invitation are their abrupt decisions to accept it. The word "immediately" is used here twice, but it's used over 20 times throughout Mark's gospel. In this case, immediately they left their nets and followed Jesus. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. I mean, there's no new member orientations, no ask the pastors. They, Jesus says, follow me, and off they go. And this instantaneousness would seem to appeal to our modern, I want things to happen quickly, you know, right now. That kind of standard. It seems that Jesus can call four disciples in less time it takes to access Netflix and uh, make some microwave popcorn. It happens quickly. All the stories of call of disciples are told with this kind of sense of immediacy, which has always been a bit perplexing to me, really. And I still have no real good answer for it. I mean, how could these guys just drop everything and follow Jesus? Being a fisherman... Was not a hobby. I mean, you, 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 your father followed his father and, 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 and you followed your father and that's, it's, it's, it's not what you do, it's who you are. And yet they leave their, their dad in the boat and follow Jesus. I don't even pretend to understand that. On the other hand, these stories underscore a basic truth for all of us in that every decision to take to the road, to head off in some new direction, every resolve to do something significant in your life, every major life choice, is invariably a decision you make without knowing all the facts. And here's the irony for us in our own Christian discipleship. You can't know what you need to know before you go. Because it's only in the going, in the following, that you you come to the knowing. You can't know it all beforehand because most of what you will come to know about God or Jesus or your, your Christian discipleship or your place in the community of faith, you learn in the very act of following. Every trip to Africa, for me, is filled with unexpected experiences I always put together an itinerary, and, and I think I know how things will, will go, but I'm always uh, surprised along the way. It is also very true that our, our American sense of wanting things to happen quickly, if not instantaneously, must be set aside when you are in Tanzania. Uh, they, they approach the concept of time itself in a different way. I'll share with you, uh, of the many places we visited and experiences we had, just four, four places, and Nick's got a, a few pictures to help us along the way. The first place we went to after arriving in the big city of Dar es Salaam, we flew way out west, uh, to an area called Mbeya, and from there we drove northward, say, 9, 11, more like eleven hours on the road, long, bumpy, Travel, always fascinating when you're traveling in Tanzania because there's always something crazy going on out the window of the car along the way, something amazing that, uh, that you see along the way. Uh, we arrived at our destination, which was the Sun Secondary School in Mpanda, Sisters of Ushurika Wanema, Sun Secondary School, the Lutheran Sisters established this school in this remote region, underserved educationally, region of Tanzania. And we were welcomed by Sister Anna Osiri, the most joyful, uh, bubbling over with joy sister who established the school. Every time I tell the story of the school, I have to tell this, the this story, and I've told it here in the past. This sister Anna right there, when she got to the school that was going to be established by the Lutheran Church in that area nothing but a few shells of buildings, and she cleared off an old broken table that was to be her desk and began making a list of priorities. She was by herself in a very remote location, just constantly in prayer that God would bless this endeavor and the children they hoped to serve. And as she did so, a giant snake fell from the rafters and wrapped around her arm, (laughs) at which point... My wife, Lori, hates this story. She doesn't like to hear the story at all. Most of us would have been done right there with that job. I I hadn't asked Sister Usiri this the first several times I'd heard the story. And when I finally asked her, like, "What what did you do? She said, I went outside, I pried the snake from my arm, and I killed it with a shovel. That's how she rolls, and she, she went back to work. So we visited the school. We were warmly welcomed, uh, and uh, I think is the next one, a clip. Here's a clip of Sister telling the kids why, why we're there. They show they are in a lab for you. They did what we call the iconic web. Actually, they are doing the iconic web for you and for all of us, and when you see us, when we are happy, so this is a Sunday afternoon. That's one of the days the kids get some time to to have some rest and relaxation. But they all put their uniforms on to welcome us and came. And sister asked me to preach to them for some extended time. I did so, and they are just glued to your every word. They're bright-eyed and full of hope and promise. To a child, every one of them has experienced direct family tragedy, the loss of parents, siblings. There is no exception to this among this impoverished population of bright-eyed, promising, intelligent students. And so we, we, we dwelt in the word, the good news of God's word for, for a while, and then they wanted to sing to, to us a couple of times. Here's like a glimpse of uh, what that was like. the kids, right, just the the students. And uh, we we met with a group of students that are currently receiving scholarships. Uh, We're paying their school fees through the the Prince of Peace Africa Fund. Every kid in this picture is among those. I told them you are on Team Prince of Peace, uh, and so we will pray for you. And we will remember you and sister will keep me up to date on how you're doing. And uh, you have to be there, but if you could feel the sort of connection that there is, uh, the, the appreciation and, and, and the faith, we pray together and they, and they sing and they want us to stay. Please stay. Don't leave. Please stay. And, uh, uh, so we went and visited the newly constructed and completed Science lab on one half of this building and physics lab on the other, again, uh, funded through the Africa Fund here at Prince of Peace. Very impressive, a profound blessing to all of the students, staff and teachers at that remote uh, school in the impoverished region of Mpanda, Tanzania. From there we moved on. I was going to visit uh, our sister congregation in Quesho Lutheran Church. I was only going to stop up there and say hello because they have transitioned to a new pastor. The former pastor, who's been there the last several years, went on to some further education. The pastor who has uh, come to serve in his place was, in fact, a pastor of some... Many years back, I know him, Pastor Minja, wanted to pass by and say hello. It's just a Tuesday, uh, so I I knew there wouldn't be all the hoopla of worship and the big welcome and all the choirs and the lunch and the, you know, kill the village goat and all that stuff. i just stop up there and say hi. When I got up there, Bishop Frederick Shost surprised me and was there, and we went into the library. This is the library that is embarrassingly pink and named after me up there in the village. Uh, But Prince of Peace has filled it with books and now they have on on the left of the screen there is Mrs. Moshi, her husband's a pastor and she's the new librarian there. And she has reconfigured the whole place, taken every book off the shelf, established this Dewey Decimal System, everything's in order all the way around and that library serves children near and far who come there to study because in a lot of schools they don't even have books as resources. So they come to this special place that we've helped support. And sure enough, we got up there on a Tuesday afternoon, and there were the choirs, and there was the congregation, and the whole neighboring primary school in their uniforms were all lined up, and they were singing and dancing, and a, and a big lunch, and at the end of the lunch, uh, that's all cooked on open fires outside, and we're full, and we're kind of ready to move on, and then they sing this, uh, this, this song, and you know what's coming, in comes the dead goat, uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know roasted goat I should call it I guess but anyway pasty but you know uh tastes like chicken right so uh <laughs> uh that that was all part of that uh, lovely visit to that place while we were there we went up the village a little bit where the members come down to the church for the most part and we met this uh woman uh there I'm I'm not remembering her name but a uh, a lovely lovely person. She is HIV positive, chronically ill, being cared for at Machame Lutheran Hospital, which is not too far down the mountain from there. Uh, She's doing well. Her health is stabilized. She's got children, a family to care for, but you can see her home behind us made of muds and mud and sticks uh, and a leaky tin roof is not conducive to her Uh, maintaining her good health and so we committed I did uh, with her standing there that we will build her a new safe dry cement home with a with a metal roof uh, Cost about $3,500 and the group that goes with me in June as groups in June's past will go visit this woman and her family in their new home that uh, we will raise the funds for to to complete on their behalf these are rich uh, and uh, profoundly meaningful experiences we have along the way. From there, uh, we went over to the Nama Orphanage, uh, which is filled with children who have lost their parents. Uh, again, it's operated by the Sisters uh, of Ushurik Wanema Deaconess Center, so the Lutheran sisters care for the children there. There are so many stories. Each of the 70-some children being cared for is a compelling, heartbreaking, but hopeful story of redemption and hope. Uh, so I'll just show you this one picture and tell you this one story. This is Micah, one year, five months, when he was a newborn, one year, five months ago, he was wrapped in plastic and left in the field of a large coffee farm to die, which would almost certainly have been his fate. By some miracle, some worker came across the baby, and through some series of events, he wound up staying here in one of the five homes of the name of Deaconess Center in Kalali, Tanzania, where he is now a bright-eyed little boy uh, surrounded by loving peers part of a family with sisters caring and praying for him as he learns and grows and I was able to hold him and hug him and in fact every time I tried to set him down he would yell about it uh what what a what an unlikely blessing that this strange uh, Mzungu, this white guy from wherever in the world he came from, would be immediately embraced and taken in by little Micah, uh, who now has hope. From Name Orphanage, we, we uh, later went to a Rose Educational Center, where again the, the Africa Fund at Prince of Peace has funded a number of projects. Rose, She's an amazing woman. She is wheelchair bound. She was an orphan as a child, was taken in by a church group in an orphanage and lost the use of her legs at a young age. She eventually decided she would devote the rest of her life for caring for children who have experienced the same kind of childhood that she had. So she started a little orphanage school and it grew and it grew today there are about 120 uh, children being cared for there they didn't have any bathroom facilities if you can imagine just a couple of holes in the ground or a couple of walls and uh, tarps in front of it so we helped to raise funds to build a washroom uh, actually a two Toilet building blocks and this one, which is a washroom, shower room that I'm cutting the ribbon for as we visited the Rose Educational uh, Center and opening it. And you can't really see it here, but there's just joy in the faces of of the teachers and the staff and the students. Uh, And these are just some of the kids there as they follow along and celebrated just so full of joy and life and promise and hope that in, uh, in any other situation would be impossible. Here's a few of the girls walking across the field following the, the activities. And what I love about this picture and the hundreds of others I have like this is that it, not, not an exception, but a rule in Tanzania as you travel some distance, if you have a friend or a peer or a colleague with you, uh, you hold hands together. It's best to hold hands when you go from one place to another. Not just the girls, the three boys in front of me were holding hands, as do the men. I am often uh, taken by the hand by a bishop or a pastor as we're walking and I have to sort of remember where I am and then I I just think if only the rest of the world would catch on to this sentiment. So these kids uh, were joyfully walking across the campus at, at uh, Rose Educational Center. Is, yeah, I think that's the last Was that the last one? Yeah. So thanks, Nick, for walking with me through that. Uh, when Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians that we just read from, he wasn't writing to one single Christian. Uh, he, was, he was writing a whole community of Christians in that raucous Greek city. In the gospel, Jesus calls his, his first disciples, he invites two of them to follow, and then a couple more, and then you know eight more, and then a hundred more, and then over the next 20 centuries several billion more, and then you and me. Jesus calls a community of disciples, and his disciples did not relate only to Jesus, they related one to another. The followers of Jesus were not simply a list of disconnected individuals. They are always and forever a community of faith in Christ. And that community knows no boundaries. It extends from Africa to Haiti to Mexico to Syria to the United States to every corner of God's good creation. In the disciple stories in the Gospels, it's hardly ever about a single person. It's rarely just this or that disciple in the singular. It's nearly always plural. The disciples, they and them and their. From the outset, church was not so much about faithful individuals as it was and is about a community of the faithful. And it has never been about having perfect knowledge or the right pedigree or nationality or some other kind of worthiness. How have you come to follow Jesus? Why are you part of the community of faith in Christ? Is your following leading you into unexpected places where you encounter a neighbor, a sister? Brother. Follow me, Jesus says. And as his reputation spread, people suffering from various diseases and ailments came to follow him. They were looking for healing. As word about his miracles spread, there were crowds of curiosity seekers. They were looking for enthrallment. As word of his wisdom and authority spread, there are seekers like the rich young. Ruler who come to Jesus asking, what must I do? They are looking for answers. As his fame and popularity increased, there were religious leaders who are threatened by his authority. They come looking for a fight. And on the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus made a way for all of them in all of those categories, and for you, and for me, all of us to belong to his community of disciples. From the people of Mkwesho Lutheran Church, to Sister Anna and the students we support at Sun Secondary School in Mpanda, to Rose and all the children cared for at the Rose Educational Center, and little Micah, who was rescued from a field in a coffee farm, now knows himself only to be a child of God, loved and cared for, surrounded by brothers and sisters. Whatever it is we thought we were out there looking for, we too have been found. Jesus went looking. And he found those fishermen, called them to follow. And he has found you. And for all of us everywhere, all of us everywhere, on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks. He broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it for, get this, gave it for all to drink. He gave it for all to drink, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you, and get this, for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hello. would